Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through verse 15. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. We're going to talk about opportunity. Opportunity. Seizing the opportunity. Looking for the opportunity. And... All right. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. Normal activity. Nothing unusual about that. This is not a special thing. This is a routine thing. It is special because it's prayer, but it's the regular time of prayer. So it's much like getting up on a Sunday morning and going to the Bible study, the worship service. It's as much as, uh, you know, getting up in the morning, going to work. It's what you do. So Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazareth, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went in the temple with them. He was uncontrollable because of his healing. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. All the people saw him. When they realized he was the lame beggar, it's a good thing that he was outside that beautiful gate day after day after day after day because people walked by him day after day after day. He was recognizable. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. What a scene. I'd be holding tightly to Peter and John too. Lame all those years, and then kaboom, Peter speaks those words, and no longer lame. Experience the power of God. He's holding on to him tightly. 
There's thanksgiving. There's worship in his heart. He's just uncontrollable because of what had happened to him. Peter, in verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity. Peter saw his opportunity. And he addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this and why stared us though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over to and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. Despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one, and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. We have the commands of the Lord. Ninety percent of all our decisions have already been made for us. 90%. Now, you can argue the percentage with me, that's okay. I don't know that that's absolutely true, but that's what I think. I think that 90% of all of our decisions are made for us. I think that the choice whether or not we love has been made for us. The choice whether or not we forgive has been made for us. The choice whether or not we're going to be stewards, that's been made for us. We don't have to decide whether or not we're going to be good managers of what God gives us. We're going to do that because God said to. Right? You can, you can argue the Old Testament, New Testament percentage, all that kind of stuff, but, but you can't argue the fact that God wants us to be stewards. And I don't think you can argue the fact that God wants you to give beyond what you probably think is reasonable. I, I, there's no question we are to live by faith. That's clear in the Scripture. There's no question the way of salvation is through Jesus Christ. When we look at the Old Testament, we see Jesus. When we look at the New Testament, we see Jesus. So you've got to come through Jesus for salvation. I think there's no question about that. And so 90% of all of our decisions have already been made. We are going to live according to the way of Christ. 1 John says that we who believe in Him, we live our lives as He lived. And so 90% of all of our decisions have been made. That's a simplifier. Christianity simplifies life. Now, the 10%, that's the hard part. The 10% is where the opportunity comes in. The opportunity. The where. The when. The how. Right? The, question, the, the decisions like, where do I work? Where do I live? the decisions that we make that are not specified in Scripture for us. You know, those, those things that are going to require prayer and faith and seeking the Lord's direction for us. The 10% of things. The hard things. For instance, now, Peter knows that he's to spread the word. 
Peter knows that he's to preach. He's already preached. He's already preached on the steps of the temple. He's already went from being the denier of Christ before a little servant girl, and now he's the bold, prophetical preacher of God. He's not, he's not hiding anymore. He's not cowered down anymore. He's out there. He knows he's to present the gospel. He understands what the mission is all about now. The Holy Spirit has fallen on the church at Pentecost. And, and he is already experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter knows now. It's been a dramatic, unbelievable change in the last 50 days for sure. And perhaps by the time we get to chapter 3, maybe 60, 70, 80 days or so. He's a different man. And, and Peter knows the 90%. He's growing in the 90%. But the 10%, he saw his opportunity. So here you got the lame guy, sits outside the beautiful gate day after day, asking for money. They turned to him and said, hey, you know, I don't have silver or gold, but I got something better. I give you Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he does. That was opportunity. So what do we do now, Peter? Look at the opportunity. Look at what God has done. Look at what God has provided. Opportunity to do what we know to do opportunity to do what we know to do. He looked for the he saw the opportunity so he was looking for the opportunity. And so our looking for opportunity. We know what we need to do, but where, how, when. So, today is July. The whole month of July is a real intense mission month for our church. It all falls on July. Not planned by any of us. We didn't sit down one day and say, uh, we want to do all these mission things, these mission trips in July so that we can all be absolutely wore out. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't add up Budget-wise, it doesn't add up. People-wise, I suppose. Uh, the logistics of just getting people to the airport and back and going places, it's, it's really challenging to get all the moving pieces where they need to go. Now, so let, let me just share with you why we believe that this is opportunity in what we're doing. Now, the 90%. Jesus told us, he told the church, Go into all the world and make disciples. All the world. Jesus said we will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so he has called us, the 90%, he has told us, he has commanded us to go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, you know, being involved. 
Now, we know we need to go. We know we're to be witnesses. There's no question about that, right? The hard part is where, when, how. That's when we must be open to the opportunity that God puts before us. So, today, uh, we prayed for Portugal, the trip to Portugal. Many of you may not realize this is the 10th year we've gone to Portugal. Doesn't seem possible. This year, there is already over 100 players signed up for the camp. We've got 21 guys going with us. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you how it happened. That's good. So let, 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 me, let me tell you how we know that we need to be involved in that, okay? Ten years ago, Craig Ledford was a U-tour in Portugal. One of our missionaries over there put uh, a notice out that wanted a young American male to go over there and work with his football team. And American football is getting going. It's really getting bigger now. But to get the Portuguese guys to play American football because he saw that as his way to get to know people and to share Christ with them. And so Craig saw that on the website. If they even had websites back then, I think they did. And um, he, he pursued that. And he went. And uh, so he calls one day and he says, Brother Lee, do you think our church would come over and do a football camp for these, this, our team? And it took about two minutes or two seconds for me to go, oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know of a church that's better equipped to do a football camp than this one. We can do that. And, and right away, I said, we could even call it the Dusty Renfro football camp. Dusty and Bundy were coming to church here then before they moved back to Austin. And he is Mr. Texas, played linebacker, middle linebacker for Texas for four years and loves the Lord. And, and so we use his uh, personality. And, and so for 10 years, we've been going to Portugal and teaching guys how to play football but the real reason we go is so that we can share the good news with them. And about that same time that we were planning all this, um, I, I listened to uh, a guy speak. He started the Hellfighters, uh, uh, Hedrick, oh, Richard Hedrick started the Hellfighters Motorcycle Club. And I asked him one day, I said, why are you involved in this? He's, he's a, you know, entrepreneur. He, you've seen Hedrick signs everywhere. And he said, there was a biker that got saved in our church and there had, there wasn't anybody getting saved in our church until he got saved. And I just realized that, man, that biker, there's something about that biker. He started introducing people to Jesus and we started baptizing people. And he said, you know, it looks like if you can, if you can get bikers to come to Christ, you make evangelists. And we need evangelists to bring people to Christ. And, and so I feel that way about our Portuguese ministry. These boys are wild. They're crazy. They, they're different. They're not like their culture, so to speak, because, you know, their, their game is football. And we have them playing football. And 
we're, we're looking for the evangelists. We've seen two or three come along accept Christ and, and they're sharing their faith with their friends. Opportunity, opportunity. And so we go each year and we do the football camp. This is the 10th year. Cambodia. We were doing the radical year. And uh, you may have to Google that to find out what that is. But there are five things that we did in that deal. And one of the things that we did to enhance that was to try to build a situation to where uh, we understood what it's like to be behind uh it, uh, behind government type thing where you can't be a Christian. And so we did uh, secret church. And we happened to do it in Mr. Ledford's barn. And we didn't tell anybody where we we're doing it, sent out text messages and said, we're going to meet at the barn at such a, it was cold that night. I remember that. And we gathered together and there was about a hundred or so people in there. And that very week, Kyle and Pastor Chorn met with me and, and, and shared their deal with Cambodia. And, uh, and so th uh, the deal was that, that I would hear it and then maybe we respond. And I said, well, why don't you come share your, this testimony at the secret church? And that's all that we did. And, and they came and Kyle presented his testimony and he took off his shirt where he shows his scar and that night, Dennis, Craig, Rick Casey, and Don Cranford had signed up. They were going to Cambodia. And they went to go see how we can help. Today, 24 churches later, we helped 24 churches. We're paying around $290-something a month for each one of those churches. We used to pay $300. We had to back off because, you know, the, all the, the bean counters. God bless them. And, and so we're doing ministry. We help provide for the pastor. We, we provide rice for the people. We, we provide what's needed to keep that church ministering where it's at. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Opportunity. Opportunity. There are Cambodians being saved in large numbers. Large numbers. Yep. Opportunity. You may have opportunity here soon to dig deep in your pockets and we support Kyle and Amy over there because it looks like the Lord is putting all the pieces together for that to happen. Opportunity. I go over every March. Kevin Elder goes with me. And we've had some others go, and I teach the pastors. We have had as many as 75 pastors come, and we just spend three days just teaching them, just teaching them. And it's, we've done that now six, seven, eight years or so. And it's a beautiful thing. Opportunity. We know we're supposed to go, but where? We're not quite sure. So we look to see where the Holy Spirit is at work. And we follow what he's saying to us in that 10%. Now, are the people in Cambodia more valuable than the people in Kerr County? No. Of course not. 
The people in Cambodia, the people, the men in Portugal are not more valuable than the people that live in in Lido School District. Absolutely not. But opportunity came. The Holy Spirit said, here, look at this. And by faith, you see in that 10%, when you see something that only the Lord can do, and the decision requires faith, the decision doesn't conflict with what the Scripture says. And the opportunity is there. You can't get away from it. It burns in your heart and in other people's heart to be about that. Then you begin to unravel that 10% and you look at it, it requires faith. It doesn't, contrif- it doesn't conflict with the Scriptures. And it honors and glorifies God. And it, is one, it, it, it supports the 90%. Then you jump on it. Peru. We have an interesting relationship with uh, uh, Zona Zagura, which means safety zone. It is a church ministry in um, uh, Cusco, Peru, and it's, it's led by young people. Now, those young people are now getting into their 30s, and, but it, they were in their 20s when they began this ministry, And the Holy Spirit came on them and said, reach the people of your city. And so they have all kinds of different events and ministries, and they have house churches that meet all over the area in villages outside the city and in the city. And it's an amazing thing that's going on. I've gone down there two or three times and taught the leaders. And how we got involved with them, however, though, was uh, Micah Shula was in love with a little blonde-headed girl. And he was our youth minister there. And he can say this isn't the reason he went, but I know it is later, that he said he really believed the Lord led them, led him to lead us to take our kids on a mission trip to Peru. And then we find out that he's that little sweet blonde's down there, and that's where, you know, so they're now married now and all those kind of things. But we had a relationship that got started. And the Holy Spirit invited us to participate. And so this month, we have a group going to Portugal, opportunity. We have a group in Cambodia right now. They're sleeping, I would imagine. We've, we sent a group over on Friday, and they're going to be there for two weeks. We're going to Portugal this week, and at, towards the end of the week, we're going to Peru. The hard part is the where, the how. How are we going to do it? What's going to happen? But you've got to look for the opportunity. Look for the opportunity. Right now, Sean is leading a group of our church. Families are in San Antonio. And in San Antonio this week, they are going to be involved in doing construction work in the morning for a a small church there in San Antonio. And in the evening, they're going to conduct Bible school in that church. Let me tell you how that came about. Sean always says, I really like it. I really, I really feel like it's what I need to do. I need to lead families to go on mission. And, and so we've done that before. This is not the first time, obviously. And, and so three, four, five months ago, we were in meeting, and, and he says, I just can't get away from this. I just believe the Lord's leading me to, to during July, somehow or another, maybe we can, do a, you know, we can do a family mission trip, and we can bless someone somewhere. And so it's in his heart. He's burdened by it. He can't get away from it. 
opportunity. And so we said, hey, man, go for it. Get her done. See what can happen. And Steve hooked us up with this church down in San Antonio. Da-da, 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 da-da. All fell together. And we got 20-some-odd people in San Antonio today. Opportunity. We know we're supposed to go. We know we're supposed to bless others. We know we're supposed to be a witness. But where is the hard part? It's the more difficult part. It's, it's not objective. It's subjective, right? We listen. We watch. We listen for the Holy Spirit to show us. And we respond. This week, uh, this month, our teenagers are going to go down and help with the bounce ministry on the coast where Harvey went through last year. And they're going to go down there and do whatever the bounce ministry wants them to do. Uh, clean up work, fix up work, whatever it is. The Lord uh, wants done that week. They're going to go down there and roll up their sleeves and help the people recover from the hurricane. How'd that come about? Well, the hurricane went through. Need. Opportunity is there. And so this ministry through the convention gets together. They've got the infrastructure. We can provide the, the labor. Opportunity. And so Andy, Bob, and Nathan jump on it. And so that's why we're doing that. Amy leaves for Uganda. Well, actually, she leaves for Lebanon tomorrow. And then she'll be in Uganda. Goes to Lebanon first. The Syrian refugee crisis is huge. And there, there's a, there, there are thousands of these Syrian refugee people in Lebanon now. It's a horrible situation. That war, all war, of course, is horrible. That war just left so many families broken. It's a horrible thing. And there's, there's a, a ministry there that care for these uh, Syrian women who are in crisis. And so she's going to go and help. Then she's going to go to Uganda and do the work that she does with the ladies of Elizabeth's voice. So she's in, Amy's in Mozambique about three years ago, I guess it is. And, before, you know, coming home after living like she lives there, you know, uh, uh, bucket showers, you know, cold bucket showers. And it, it takes a while for her to adjust back in how we live. And... Uh, so she decided that she would spend some time in Uganda because she heard it was a nice place and she wanted to go there. She's felt led to do it. And, and she was staying at a little hotel called the Red Chili. And it's a, it's a hotel where Americans stay, Europeans stay. It's a nice little place. And when she's there, she meets a lady named Evelyn that is... Uh, making earrings and jewelry to feed her family. And she sat there every day trying to sell these necklaces and baskets and earrings and all those things to the people there. Some days she would spend all day there and not sell anything. Well, Amy believed that she heard the voice of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the 10%, the 10% thing, 
that she just knew that somehow or another she was supposed to be involved in helping these ladies in, in a foreign spot like that who have such hardships. I mean, if the third world countries, their homeless situations, their crisis situations is far greater than ours. We are so blessed. We have so much here in our country. In other places, not so much. We have good drinking water. It, there's food available if they choose. There are programs available if they will only apply themselves. There's no question about that. But in places like Uganda, that's not true. And their culture is such that the men abandon their families. And it's, it's kind of like a, a, a feather in your cap as a man is if you'll have a young wife, have her, uh, have her have four or five kids. You leave her, you get another young one. Have her have four or five kids. You leave her. And, and before long, you've got a 60-year-old man with a 25-year-old girl. And he's got five or six wives along the way. He's got many children that he doesn't care for. And the ladies have to do it. And so she meets Evelyn. Evelyn's a believer. Amy said that she just radiates the presence of, the, of, of Christ. And they met. They prayed together. They talked about uh, together. And boom. Here, two or three years later, Elizabeth's voice is going on. And, and, and this ministry is caring for around 15 or 16 ladies and raising their children. She's working to send them to school because you can't go to school in Uganda unless you have money. And, and she's, get, she's got them going into the hospitals and doing ministry in the hospitals and taking them a few toiletry things and taking them some food because you, you can't go to the hospital unless you have money and, and the hospital doesn't feed these people and don't have what they need. Opportunity. Doing the 90%, the going, the doing, the 10%, the opportunities, looking to see what God has put before you, listening to what God has put before you, observing and responding with faith. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's why we do it. Now, why Cambodia? Why Peru? Why Portugal? Why San Antonio? Why the Gulf Coast this year? Why Lebanon and Uganda? Why? The Lord invited us. The Lord invited us. And so we go. We are a mission-minded congregation. We have believed His Word to go into all the world, make disciples. And we do the very best we can. The where is of the Holy Spirit. Next week, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, you have an opportunity to help serve food at Center of Hope with, and sign up today with Debbie Bach. That's what we do. There's an opportunity to serve food 
to people that need a meal. That's what we do. We look around and we look for opportunity and we respond. Ushers, come forward, please.